Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello and welcome to uh, Literary Quest. This week we will be discussing A Touch of Darkness by Scarlett St. Clair. This is one of the week two authors being featured by Fantasy Romance February. Um, And we were super excited to cover this book. So I'll start with character descriptions and locations. And then Vicki will introduce our plot. And then we'll move on. So a bunch of new characters to introduce. Let's start with my man, Hades. He is the god of the underworld. He owns the nightclub called Nevernight. And he is described as darkly handsome. He has long-ish dark hair and is a little beardy and is perpetually smirking. We have Persephone, who's our main character. She is a 24-year-old college student and an aspiring journalist. She is the goddess of the spring. She is doing an internship for a New Athens News, which is a newspaper in town, and she has horns so the deities in this version like this play on greek mythology uh, have uh, horns and so she has white spiraled horns like those of a greater kudu we have alexis sedaris who is persephone's best friend and she's described as being edgy she has tattoos she has hair that is black as midnight and she loves hecate we have demeter who is Persephone's mother, she's the goddess of the harvest, and she is like the definition of a helicopter mom. We have Dimitri, who is Persephone's boss at New Athens News. Adonis, who is described as having dark curly hair, burnished brown skin. He works at New Athens News with Persephone and is a little bit of a shady character. We have Minth, who is a nymph. She is Hades' assistant. She is described as having um, brilliant red hair. She is the possessive and jealous type and is a stage five clinger. We have Hecate, who is the goddess of magic and crossroads and witchcraft. And she is described as having long black hair and short black horns at her temples. She is tasked with coming up with the punishments for people in Tartarus. We have Charon, who is the ferryman. He carries the dead, or ferries the dead, across the river Styx into the underworld. We have Thanatos, who is the uh, typically described as the personification of death. He is young-looking with sapphire eyes, blood-red lips, and white hair. We have Aphrodite, who's the goddess of love, and she's described as being beautiful and ferocious. And we have Hermes, who is the messenger of the gods, also the god of trickery and thieves, trade, commerce, merchants, roads, sports, travelers, athletes, heraldry, and so on. We have some different locations in this book. So the book is set for the most part in New Athens, Um, In this version of this, or in this story, um, the gods descended into the human world and there was a great conflict between deities and some groups of humans. And in the aftermath, there was a lot of destruction to the land. And so the gods reformed this land into a new country and new Athens is part of that. We have Never Night, which is the nightclub that Hades owns and it doubles as a gambling den. We have the underworld, which is Hades' realm. It's surrounded by the river Styx, which acts as a border to keep people out who should not be there. It's home to the river Lethe, the fields of Asphodel, which is where most souls go in the afterlife, Elysium, which is where souls go to heal and are reincarnated from, and Tartarus, which is where the bad folks get punished when they go to the underworld. And finally, we have Olympia, which is Demeter's home and where Persephone grew up. Vicki, do you want to pick up our plot? Yes. 
Okay, so our book opens with Persephone sitting at a cafe, looking at the flowers decorating the cafe. She notices there are narcissists, indicating that the owners may be in mourning, as that particular flower is the symbol of Hades. We find out that Hades is the wealthiest of all the gods, is invested in popular clubs in New Greece, and that he likes betting, especially when a human soul is on the line. Although Persephone has never gone to one of the clubs, she is curious about him. Her thoughts shift to starting her internship at New Athens News. It turns out Persephone wants to be a journalist. She gets a text from her best friend, Lexa, saying that they need to celebrate her internship by going out. Lexa was able to get them into Nevernight, one of Hades' popular clubs that is almost impossible to get into. Persephone is reluctant since she is certain that her overprotective mother, Demeter, will disapprove. Her mother made her promise to stay away from the gods since they do not know of Persephone's existence. She also wanted Persephone to major in botany, and when she changed her mind, Demeter sent a nymph to spy on Persephone. While Persephone resents some of her mother's actions, she is not interested in being discovered as a goddess either, since she would come under scrutiny and lose her anonymity. It is also noted that Persephone has avoided men due to warnings from her mother, and she has no experience. Additionally, Persephone does not have magic of her own and relies on her mother's magic to keep her glamour in place. Despite her misgivings, Lexa is able to convince Persephone to go with her to Nevernight. They go to Nevernight, where they meet a man named Adonis. When Lexa and Persephone get separated, Persephone finds herself on the second floor and accidentally plays a game with Hades. The next day, she realizes that she has unwittingly entered into a contract with Hades from the game. She goes to her first day of work, where she finds out that Adonis is a senior reporter. After work, she goes to Nevernight to confront Hades. He tells her that she must create life in the underworld. Persephone has no other choice, as it is the only way to get out of the contract. She needs to make up an excuse for her visits to Hades and tells Lexa and her mother that she is going to Nevernight on an assignment for work. Lexa suggests that she write an article about Hades' dealings. When she goes to Nevernight to start working in the underworld, she meets a few of Hades' employees, who all say he is a kind boss. She is skeptical. She ends up in his office alone and finds the hallway to the underworld and decides to follow it. As she is exploring the underworld by herself, a completely reasonable thing to do, she comes across a river. She identifies this as the river Styx and decides that it's a good idea to try to swim across. Of course, swimming across a river full of dead people is not a good idea, and she quickly finds herself being drowned. Luckily, she is saved by Hermes. As she is speaking with Hermes, Hades shows up. Naturally, he is upset since she basically broke into the underworld and almost got herself killed. But when he sees that she's injured, he gently takes her to his palace and heals her. There is some sexual tension between them, but he innocently puts her to bed and tells her to rest. She returns to the underworld the next evening. She plants some seeds, but realizes she needs water. She sees a river, and despite her previous experience, she decides to get water there. She is stopped by Hecate, the goddess of witches, who tells her that it is the river Lethe, which would erase her memory. Hecate introduces her to the souls in the underworld, who all seem very happy, again confusing Persephone. When Hades arrives, they talk a bit, and she tells him that instead of asking the mortals to give up their vices when he wins a bet, he should send them to rehab and pay for it. Hades thinks about this, but before he can respond, he must deal with an intruder. The intruder, Orpheus, requests his wife's soul back. Hades refuses, Persephone is furious and storms off. She writes a scathing critique on Hades, but does not submit it for publication. When she goes to Nevernight, she witnesses Hades agreeing to save a child without asking for anything in return. She's confused by these actions. The next day, she finds that her article has been published without her permission and realizes that Adonis must have done it. The article is so popular, though, that her boss tells her to write monthly articles about Hades. Lexa takes Persephone out to celebrate, and they run into Adonis, who drugs Persephone and tries to force himself on her. Hades saves her and takes her to his palace in the underworld to sleep it off. When she wakes up, he confronts her about the article, and they end up passionately making out. Before things can go any further, though, Hades leaves. The next time she's in, in the underworld, she finds out that the souls are celebrating Hades. They tell her that they expect he will have a queen soon. She joins the party, and the souls present, present her with a crown. After a long night of partying, she goes to Hades' bathing pool. Hades eventually arrives, joins her in the bath, and they share an intimate moment. They are interrupted by Minth, Hades' jealous assistant, and Persephone leaves. Lexa and Persephone go to the Olympian Gala, where the theme is the underworld. 
she finds out the charity Hades has chosen to support is actually one created by him. It's called the Halcyon Project, and it provides free rehabilitation to addicts, just like Persephone suggested. Hades and Persephone share a dance and end up back in his room and have sex. The next day, Persephone notices that she can feel magic within her and sense life around her. She realizes that it is her magic. She has to speak with the souls Hades has previously had contracts with. Thanatos reveals to her that Hades put these so souls in Elysium so that they can heal. He also tells her that he believes Hades feels guilty about not always being so nice. Persephone is shocked. She returns to work determined to write a nicer article about Hades and ends up in a confrontation with Adonis and he ends up losing his job due to his actions. Hades and Persephone go on an official date and end up back at her place. They bake cookies together and watch some movies and then retire to bed. At some point, Demeter teleports herself into her daughter's room. She loses it when she realizes that Persephone is not only betting the god of the underworld, but that she also has a contract with him. She tells her that once the contract is up, she is taking Persephone from the mortal realm. She also strips Persephone of her glamour. Luckily, Hades provides another one for her, but not before Lexa discovers what she is. Several weeks pass, and it is now two weeks before the end of the contract. Aphrodite shows up at Persephone's place of work and reveals that she and Hades had their own bet. She apologizes that Persephone ended up in the middle of it. Persephone is crushed. She confronts Hades about it, and they have a massive argument. The passion of the argument seems to trigger her powers, and she manages to create vines that wrap, around, that wrap themselves around Hades. She has won and broken the contract. However, our heroine is in a big mess. She is still dealing with blackmail, a furious mother, a sneaky nymph, and a broken heart. Will she be able to resolve these issues? You'll need to read the book to find out. Or keep listening. This is your spoiler warning. This is also your after dark warning. So we are going to talk about adult themes in this book. There will probably be cursing. You do you, boo. All right. So Marissa, this is another book that you had recommended to me um, when I first started uh, picking up some reading. And so you definitely liked it. I just really love the Hades Persephone retelling version, like retellings. And, and this one was a really good one. So yeah, I did enjoy it. What did you think? I enjoyed it for sure. I was, um, Persephone annoyed me a little bit. Yeah. But otherwise I really like this book. Um, I like the world kind of that she created for them. The horns was a different take on it. Mm -hmm. And her description of the underworld is great. Oh, it's lovely. Mm -hmm. I really like it when they, when authors who do like the Hades Persephone retellings, they make the underworld a place that's not just like desolate, hellacious landscape. <laughs> um, and I feel like it's it's really nice to read that because I feel like a lot of times when we do think of the underworld, our thoughts automatically go to hell, uh, which I'm assuming would be like a desolate, hellacious landscape. Uh, but the underworld is made up of so many different, like, like they have the fields of Asphodel, which are described as being really pleasant, and the fields of Elysium, which also described as being really pleasant and then there's tartarus which yeah that's where the bad people are but and all of these random rivers that are deadly to you but um there's i think there's one and i can't remember what it is but there's like a river that's made of fire or whatever like yeah that's not that's not like inviting but it's nice to see the and hades uses his his ability to glamour his magic to make it like this beautiful lush like there are really nice gardens and pretty fields and it's introduced in a really lovely way yeah i like that part so she arrives in the underworld and she sees like all these plants and she's like why does hades want me to grow life when it's already here and then he reveals to her he like takes the glamour away and is like no i just I made this. I like it to be real. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, Hades. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, I really, I love the way that Hades is described in this book. Like, he's he's my man. Um, he's just so like nice, and I feel like Persephone comes in not knowing anything about him 
with her judgy pants on. Mm -hmm. And it frustrates me because like, that's my boy. Like you can't, (laughs) he's such a, and and it's not, I mean, it's not entirely her fault. She's been basically brainwashed by her mother, right? So she's been incredibly sheltered, kept in a glass cage, which is what she calls the thing that Demeter has kept her in for basically her whole life. She's not been exposed to people except for the ones that work for her mother. And so, I mean, I don't, initially, I don't necessarily fault her for how um, harsh or unfortunate her thoughts are because she's never, she's been told her whole life that Hades is a, a bad guy and that she's supposed to stay away from him. She's been brainwashed. But I do start to, <laughs> I do start to change in that opinion as we get further in the book. And she's had multiple interactions with Hades and chances to see like, he's not this demon this awful monster that her mother has made her believe and she um up until like i want to say it's like 85 percent of the way or 80 percent of the way into the book she's still like it's around the time when the um gala gala that's well yeah but not even then it's oh you're right yeah it's when thanatos takes her to she she asks Hades if she can meet with the souls that he's made contracts with. And so he summons Thanatos and Thanatos takes her to the fields of Elysium to meet them. And at that point she's like, Oh no, I've been thinking about this all wrong. Right. And he's been really honest. Like he, it's not like he's been deceptive Mm -hmm. about like when she's asked him quest. well, there are questions that he doesn't answer um, that she asks him, but I feel like he's been fairly honest with her when she's asked a question that he felt like answering, but she gets to the fields of Elysium and he tried to explain to her because she gets frustrated that he can't just like break the contracts or just give people their lives back. And he's explained like, that's not how this works. Reminds me of that commercial with the grandmas who are, um, they're like, uh, trying to it's one of them is like I got Facebook and she's got pictures all over her wall and then she she's like I liked it I liked it and the other grandma's like that's not how this works that's not how any of this works <laughs> that's how that's how I feel with Persephone when because she's like but Hades is the god of the underworld like he can do whatever he wants but he can't yeah there are rules even for him yeah and they're so much that he does and says and that is exposed to like his employees love him mm-hmm. the souls in the underworld love him you know like uh he watches or she watches him you know cure well not cure well, i guess cure the little girl yeah right? that's got cancer yeah and when she's like well why did you do that to her and not help the other people and he he does he explains to her he's like that's, yeah. i have to deal with the fates like yeah. if i her then there's some there's another soul that I can't help yeah and she just I she just doesn't get it I don't know no. she's judgy she is very she is very judgy um, and it's very frustrating to more so as she gets more evidence that he's actually a decent person and she keeps holding on to these ideas that he's he's not a, a good guy. And it's like, but there's all this evidence that he is a decent person or deity. Um, but I, I really think it goes back to her being so brainwashed by her mother. Mm-hmm. Even though she had, even though she's like, she resents her mother, they don't have like a close relationship because her mother basically ca- like held her. I mean, kind of held her captive <laughs> right. um, was super restricted. It's like, she can't see past all of the things that she was told all of her life which I guess would be difficult. She's only really been, let's see, out and about away from her mom for be a couple years if she's a, a senior in college, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like four years then. Yeah. Probably. And I mean, the public's perception of Hades is negative in general as well. Right. So that's working against him. But 
but it's it's not like he goes out and does things to try to change their perception because he doesn't care he doesn't care about his their perception of him he doesn't care about their opinion he doesn't care about his reputation i don't really understand why i guess it's the bets that make people think he's got that he's a bad person or he's because like people are fearful of him too and i think some of that just goes into him being the the god of the underworld right so yeah that general fear of of death yep which i think is really interesting um because we see and persephone gets to see this as well she comes in with this really negative perception of the underworld and then she actually gets to meet the souls that live there and find that like people are actually happy Mm in in asphodel like they're living their they're living good lives they're happy there I mean, their whole like relationship did kind of kick off playing a game where he didn't tell her who he was. Right. So that's not a great start <laughs> to yeah. a relationship. Wow, that I think about it. Yes. But afterwards, he presents her with a challenge that she can do. Mm-hmm. And he's help- trying to like push her to be better and to find her own power. So he doesn't she doesn't rely on her mother. Um mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. So near the end, um, he tells her he got her worshipers. Like that's what they need. That's what gods Mm -hmm. need to have their power. I thought that was interesting. We've seen that pop up a few times. And that in general, I think is just kind of the idea of like when gods die, Mm -hmm. um, it's people stop believing in them. Yeah. Although it's interesting to me how so many people have taken this the myth of Hades and Persephone and turned it into a romance considering it's like originally called the rape of Persephone where Mm -hmm. uh, Hades steals her yeah um so it's interesting that it's such a popular story I guess Mm -hmm. twist to me he still does steal her he does steal her he does (laughs) does so in in the original myth he does ask permission he gets her dad he gets Zeus's permission (laughs) yeah because Zeus cares <laughs> Zeus with his jillion children <laughs> oh what's one <laughs> yes he does still steal her and that's not that's kidnapping that's not really romantic right I guess in that situation we get it, it's like Stockholm Syndrome if she falls in love with him <laughs> right <laughs> I although um Oh, shoot. Oh, isn't he one of the only gods that, like, remains faithful to his wife and shares, like, power with her? I want to say in some, in some, in some retellings, I want to say that he, not retellings, but in some myths, I want to say that he does actually cheat on Persephone. Oh. Let me look it up. Well, while you're looking that up, I'm going to talk about Persephone swimming and the rivers because what i mean i know she's been sheltered and everything but she literally just came from looking up information on the underworld right and it's like oh that's the river sticks where you know dead people get ferried across i'm mm-hmm. sure it's totally fine if i swim across it like what come <laughs> on what is wrong with you and then hermes saves her and she like talks back to him <laughs> Like yep. in this this attitude, like what the fuck? The audacity! He just saved your life, and you're gonna act like that? <laughs> Rude. Yeah. And then she does it again. She's like, "Oh look, another river. I'll go fill look, up." I like what? No, that's God, Persephone. Yeah, I know. I mean, she goes in there like wandering off by herself uh-huh. to begin with. She doesn't make great decisions. No. Did you find if he cheated? Oh, no. It doesn't look like he cheated on her. My bad. I I guess that must be one of the reasons why the Haiti and Persephone myth is so popular to turn it into these books. Because, like, how do you do that with any of the other gods who just go around, you know, mating with people, I guess? I would read a book about um, Aphrodite and Hephaestus. I would, too. And who's, I want to, who's making that? Who's doing that? 
I want to say Scarlett St. Clair maybe said that that was a possibility for a future book for her. I would definitely read that. I would too. I would love to see a book about them. And I'd like to see a book about Hecate, this Hecate, because this Hecate is fantastic. Yes. She's so great. We've seen Uh, a couple versions of Hecate now. Yeah, we're so this Hecate is really good. The Hecate in um, the 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 Hades Trials by Eliza Rain and Rose Wilson. Mm-hmm. That Hecate was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love how friendly she is with Persephone when she comes into the underworld, and I love when um, so it's Hecate that keeps persephone from going into the river lethe and she's like i'm gonna have to scold hades when i see him about not telling you about the dangerous things in this world and uh persephone's like when you do that can i watch and hecate's (laughs) like i wouldn't think of doing it without you present (laughs) (laughs) she's she's a good friend to persephone in this story which is nice and then there's another scene that's hysterical to me it's when um Persephone is coming to find Hecate, I think, to get her to help plan the ball for the souls that are being reincarnated from the underworld. And Hecate is petting a, um, I think it's like a a pole cat. And uh, she says about the cat, she says, this is Gail. She was once a human witch, but she was an idiot. So I turned her into a pole cat. I like her better this way. <laughs> I died. <laughs> I loved that. That was like, <laughs> there's a lot of stupid people that I would like to turn into cats. So <laughs> she sounds like my kind of girl. <laughs> um, so Haiti makes all these deals with these people. And while I understand that the best way to deal with addiction is not to just be like, okay, you, you're not addicted anymore. Just stop. Right. That's obviously not how yeah with addiction the people do go to Hades willingly for these deals and so I feel like Mm -hmm. Persephone's again so judgy about it you know he can definitely go about it a better way to to be like all of this is on this is your fault Hades you know it's Mm -hmm. kind of like it's it's not all his fault like he could definitely have a better way of dealing with you know Mm -hmm. handling it but you know it's just she just I don't know yeah she comes in yeah so i i agree she comes in very judgy in this situation with the the deals that he makes but he does make a really good point and he's like i think you're just interested in this because i made a contract with you and you're mad about it and she's like as she brings it to back to herself a lot um in this situation and so yeah i do think that she's curious about the contracts but would she be as curious about it if she wasn't forced into a contract with hades herself i don't know um and i do think that she makes a good point when she's talking to him about the contracts she's like um you can't just like give someone one chance when they're trying to cope with addiction um people relapse because life is hard and that's so right mm-hmm. um, that relapse is very common. And so to give a person one chance to do better and then that's it, that's not, to me, that's not really, that's not really fair. And so she says like, you have all of this money. Why don't you use it to put them into a rehabilitation program to actually do something that helps them instead of telling them to do it on their own, which I I think is a great idea because It is very hard, but not impossible, but very hard if you are coping with an addiction Mm -hmm. to fix it by yourself. Most people do need resources to help with overcoming that. And so I like what she says. And I like that Hades takes that feedback from her and he does something with it. He creates the Halcyon Project, which is exactly what she suggested that he do. It's like a type of rehabilitation program to help people get better. But I also think that he could have gone away a, a, a long way toward helping clear up some of this judgment or these bad feelings that she has for him by <laughs> explaining what actually happens when people don't keep their contracts. So, and Thanatos is the one that ends up explaining that to her. So he takes her to the Elysium fields 
And that's where the souls who aren't able to follow through with their contract with Hades end up. And it's a place where souls go to heal. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they, if they renege on their contract, they're being sent to Tartarus. Um, and it's not like, and I, from what I understand, they're not instantly dying if they renege, like if they aren't able to follow through on their contract, because Hades doesn't get to decide when people die. That's when the fates decide. Right. And so he doesn't really have any control over when those people are going to die. And Persephone doesn't understand that until Thanatos explains it to her. And so I think it's kind of like one of those situations where there's this big communication, miscommunication, and that affects the entire person's perception of it. That's what it feels like to me. Like, because Hades never goes into explaining what really happens to people who make the contracts. She assumes the worst. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, Hades or Persephone has a, a difficult time understanding that there's more to a lot of the situations than what she can see. At least that's what it seems like. And so he says to Persephone, you strike me as someone who has a lot of emotions and has never been taught how to deal with it all. And I think that's, I don't think that's entirely her fault because of the way that she was raised, but she's been able to get out from under her mother's thumb for a few years now. Mm -hmm. And so, and maybe she has experienced some personal growth in that time, but she, she definitely kind of gives off these like almost entitled or privileged or spoiled maybe vibes in a lot of these like in the situ in the way that she approaches Hades even like when Adonis she tells Dimitri or Adonis that she wants to do a story on Hades so she just rolls up to his club and knocks on the door and demands to be let in like mm -hmm. rude first of all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um like you can't do that with just people in general you don't just demand that they give you time and what happens a little bit later I don't remember who she was talking to but she goes so you agree Hades has wronged me mm -hmm. and was she talking to Hermes yeah yeah and he's like I didn't say that yeah and she's just like wants somebody to agree with her that he's wronged her but she she knew going up on that floor that that was a possibility you know right she knew yeah. And I just, yeah. it's kind of like the victim mentality mm -hmm. like he's done me wrong mm. yeah sort of that righteous indignation which is her motivation for writing that awful story that she does for the new Athens news about Hades mm -hmm. she's been wronged yeah and then that goes along with him not telling her everything to she writes this horrible article and I think yeah. Nick is the one who brings it up who's like why would he tell you these things when this is how you feel about him? Like you yeah. wrote this article about him. Why would he open up to you, you know, and trust you? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. If somebody wrote a mean article about me, I'd probably, he's way more forgiving than I am. He is far more <laughs> forgiving than I would be if someone wrote an article like that about me. Like, yeah. I, why would I share things about with you? Yeah. If you're just going to write about it, it'd be really hard to trust someone like that. Oh, so kind of going back to Adonis a bit. Mm -hmm. So he's a jerk, obviously. Yes. Um, and I love that she calls him out on it. Yes. Work. She just like, no, this is you. Like, you're awful. You're, oh, what is, oh, shoot. She calls him something. I think she says he's entitled. Um, yeah, just like rips him a new one. And then he gets really mad and calls her a bitch and the boss overhears and is like you're fired it's great yes it is fantastic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then he goes and tries to blackmail her yeah she does a really great job of standing up for herself in uncomfortable situations with Adonis, usually with adonis and i love it um i can't remember if it's in that scene or something but she's like um He's trying to make small talk with her and she's like, I don't really want to talk to you. And he's like, 
um, she says, I wouldn't try to keep this professional. And he says, well, that's not very professional. And she says, I don't have to make small talk with you to be professional. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about death recently. Why? I don't know. I just have. Um, and Thanatos, when he's taking Persephone to the Elysium fields, he says, the upper world has made death evil. And I think that's interesting because I do think there's this, this personification of death where it is, it's not seen often. It's not seen as like a relief. And for many people, death is a relief from their living situation. Um, like with chronic illnesses, chronic pain, cancer, things like that. We take all of these measures to keep people alive and I think we could be taking better measures to make their death more comfortable. I have a friend who works as a hospice nurse, or not nurse, a hospice social worker. And she mentioned that people are really, in our culture, are very poorly equipped to cope with death. And so there's this thing called a death doula. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. It's it's a person who assists um in the process of dying, they, they help the family cope. They help get services that the person might need to die comfortably. Um, and they bring comfort at the end of the life. And I think that's, I think that's really interesting. It is our culture surrounding death is not great. Um, cause like you said, we want to pro- like the idea that medicine has is just prolong life as long as possible you know that's why a lot of places struggle with like uh the death with dignity um Mm -hmm. law because you know people deserve to go outside on their own terms yeah but at the same time modern medicine is like no we just want them to live forever forever yeah and a lot of cultures don't approach death that way at all you know um they, I mean, I don't want to say they celebrate it, but like they, you know, um, they understand that it's more of a part of life. A lot mm-hmm. of cultures, like the person dies in the home. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've become so removed from that and death is now so associated with like hospitals, mm-hmm. you know, machines, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in other cultures and in the past, mm-hmm. death has been something that's part of life really and not so tucked away right have it tucked away here yeah I think I think there's a I think we have a hard time just coping with mortality in general Mm -hmm. we do so much to keep you know there's all of this like media about like rejuvenating things and making yourself look younger and all of these surgeries that you can have to lift and tuck and push every and if that's what you want to do that's fine but I think we are being conditioned to um fear either fear or reject any any sort of signs of mortality or aging or death or anything like that which is unfortunate because it's coming it's coming whether you want to die or not, like it's coming no matter what, it is inevitable. Um, and so I think there we would find greater comfort in just the acceptance of death that it is going to happen rather than doing all of these things to reject and to not that there's anything wrong with trying to, I mean, if yeah, there's nothing wrong with all of this rejuvenating or whatever stuff like that. I don't, I'm not saying that's a bad thing if you favor those things, but I do think we have this un healthy obsession in our culture with repelling (laughs) signs of aging and mortality. Mm -hmm. I think that that Thanatos makes a really good point. We do demonize death and it, there's no way to avoid it. You are going to die. So you could, I don't want to say embrace it because that sounds but just have more of an acceptance of yeah, it. And an less acceptance of a fear. That it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You want to talk about sex? Because that's let's, another like super popular thing that always happens in life. Yes. Let's talk about sex. Great. Um, there's sex in this book. Scarlett St. Clair is like 
fantastic at writing foreplay. It was steamy. Things were very hot. It was very exciting. And I really enjoyed it. Yes. Um, that bath scene has got to be one of my favorites. I wish, like, Minth hadn't ruined it. I know. Gosh. It was so... Just the way that she wrote it was really... It was sexy. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a bath sex scene that is actually plausible. There's not, like, a, a worry. Of, well, I don't know. This is another sort of world where we run into these massive baths. Mm-hmm. That's, that's some type of that's some type of thing in fantasy writing. It's, there's no, like, regular-sized bathtub. It's all pool-sized. Anyway, um, yeah, it's super hot. And, like, so when he, so Hades being a very decent person, when she, when Persephone is drugged at um, Aphrodite's club and he saves the day and gets her into his car, she tries to seduce him. And she says, you will worship me and I won't even have to order you. And this, oh, it was so hot because she was, like, straddling him in the back of the car. And then being the decent person that he is, he like unseats her, puts her back next to him, covers her up with his jacket. <laughs> I know. Such a sweetie. He is. And then he, she wakes up naked and he's like watching her sleep, drinking his whiskey next to a roaring fire. Um, and he like, she's, I think being real sassy with him. And she, he ends up like pinning her against the bedpost. And it's also very hot. Mm-hmm. Oh. bath scene super hot mint ruining things because she just ruins everything and then their like first sex scene was really hot too yeah so the build-up for that was really great Mm -hmm. that was after the the gala Mm -hmm. and they play this really sexy game of strip well halfway strip poker hades is taking her clothes and she's asking him questions Mm -hmm. um and like the way he seductively removes her necklace and lets it drop down into like between her breasts and then pulls it away. And he takes off her earrings and is like nibbling on her ears and around her neck. And then he finally removes her dress. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It is. Sounds great. She's just really good at building the anticipation. Like she did, she. Scarlett St. Clair did a lot of building of anticipation leading up to their, their actual first sex scene. And it was so good. Like it was, it, it really, by the time that we got to the actual sex scene, I was like, yes, finally I've been waiting. (laughs) So she did a really great job building up that anticipation is like really great foreplay. Um, Yeah. Oh, and then when they do, um, when they do finally have sex, Persephone asks Hades to drop his glamour so that she can see him in his deity form, um, which is a great, really intimate moment. And he's like, why? And she, so she's wearing a crown that one of the, the souls and Asphodel made for her. And Hades has asked her to keep it on. And she says, um, you want to fuck me in this crown? I want to fuck a god. Like it, it's just such a, it's such a good scene. Yeah, it is the dialogue, you know, too between like that. You know, and that that was one of the other things that there was some dialogue during sex, which a lot of times mm-hmm. there isn't. I feel like in books. Yeah, and that's not realistic. Right. In real life. Yeah. Um, People talk during sex. Laugh. There are weird sounds. Like. <laughs> It's an interactive situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then they had like balcony sex. They had balcony sex. Like, balcony yeah. sex, right? That was good. That's the one that Adonis tries to blackmail her with, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because Mint was the one that took the pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Balcony sex sound exciting. We've read some books before where people have sex in like atypical places, like in um, 
one of Laura at the last's books, they have sex like in the dirt and in the desert. Like there's no appeal in that mm-hmm. to me. But <laughs> balcony sex is a situation that I, I could maybe consider getting behind. I would be worried I would fall. I mean, they're they're not like having sex against the balcony railing. They're against a wall. I I, I know. Just the fear. Yeah. What Later if, on. Oh, go ahead. I was like, what if like he drops me and I stumble and go over the railing? I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like maybe from a balcony closer to ground level. Second story balcony. Yeah, where I would just break something. <laughs> it wouldn't mean death right comes that fear of death <laughs> i mean i guess that's not a bad way to go out right uh, i mean yeah. sex. How did it you would die? depend if you had an orgasm well, first that's I feel true like. that's yeah that's true awkward conversation to have as to why i'm dead though i mean who would you be having this conversation with another well, dead no, person I mean- are they gonna judge you like oh well no i mean she fell off a balcony not she was boning and fell off a balcony (laughs) Um, oh gosh that would be great (laughs) would that be awkward or would your family be proud like well no probably your family wouldn't be proud maybe your partner would be proud no your partner would feel really guilty I don't know (laughs) sister maybe might be yeah maybe sister would be proud yeah I think we should give Hades some points for style. Mm-hmm. So after after their first sexual encounter, um, Hades later finds Persephone like in the garden that she's trying to grow and that's failing to grow. And he, they have like freestanding sex in the garden, like not leaned up against a tree or a wall, just like standing. <laughs> like I can't even imagine the strength required for that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the core strength, the upper body strength, mm-hmm. like your hip, like the glutes for the thrusting, like I'd give him 10 points for that. Definitely. That would be, yeah, that'd be a scary situation kind of too. I'd be like clinging for Han for dear life. Right. Yeah. Afraid <laughs> of falling. falling. Yeah. And I guess I have a fear of falling, don't I? It sounds like it. <laughs> There's this point where Hades is like kind of jealous of Charon. Um, it's when, uh, oh my God, um, Orpheus, right? He comes mm-hmm. in and I guess Persephone makes some like like note of how he's attractive. Like she, mm-hmm. she didn't think he was attractive and Hades gets really tense and is like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> what that sound was but yeah (laughs) I mean he's definitely very territorial about Persephone yes he is when she finally does get her power it's pretty great so uh when Aphrodite tells Persephone about the wager or the contract between her and Hades she, I mean, she's just, she's so upset because she has fallen in love with Hades at that point. So she's um, feeling betrayed and frustrated. And she, uh, they have like really, I think they have like angry sex with each other at this point. And then she uh, like uses her, her magic, her newly found magic to wrap him up in these like vines. Mm-hmm. And so she gets her power and displays it brilliantly. Mm-hmm. but then Hades is sad, sad. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like well I guess you oh, my heart I know he's... why can't she just be nice to him and appreciate him so uh, do you think that she was justified in her feelings of betrayal when she found out about the contract between Hades and Aphrodite Yeah, I'd be, I mean, I would definitely be upset because then question everything, you know? Right, yeah. I I would definitely be like, what the fuck, Hades? Mm -hmm. What is this? And I think, I mean, he tried to explain, Mm -hmm. but then also kind of went like 
on attack because that's when he says I got you worshipers you know like yeah trapped in like your own mind sort of thing you made your own cage and um so the situation wasn't handled super well when she confronted no. him about it um and I guess Persephone is just kind of insecure to begin with like with mint and everything yeah you know yeah just insecure in general so for that to happen and all that to be yeah yeah do you think she's justified I do I mean if I were in that situation I would probably respond in the same way Mm -hmm. because it it does I mean it the timing of their like interactions because she like it was like immediately after Hades and Aphrodite made their contract that he met Persephone and they developed their contract so it was like the the timing seems really coincidental mm-hmm. um and it would be and you know she has been historically sort of insecure through this book and so um I feel like even a secure person though would feel uh, probably a little bit betrayed by the situation, especially finding out about it the way that she did from Aphrodite. Right. If Hades had explained the situation, it might have been a little different. I, I feel like you would still feel maybe a little bit betrayed or just conflicted or concerned, but finding out about it from Aphrodite, I feel like really, really added the fire to that situation and Hades doesn't really handle and he tries to explain things but I don't think he really handles the situation all that well I like how in the end she's able to pull Persephone's able to pull it all together she's able to see how manipulative her mother was when uh, Hades explains like you needed worshipers you needed people to praise you for you to develop your powers and so she's able to see that her mom kept her hidden for her entire life so she wouldn't ever develop her powers because she would never have worshipers right it's like her mother's just very controlling um it reminds me of well no never mind but yeah i like she has that really great confrontation with her mother at the end where it's like you did this you tried to keep me from having power. You never let me see people so that I would never be as strong or stronger than you. Um, it's a really satisfying moment at the end. Mm-hmm. I also love that she turns mint into a plant. <laughs> yes, that is Amazing. so great. <laughs> there was another book I read where the same thing happened, but in the book, for whatever reason, she's pregnant and she just like stomps on the, the flower, <laughs> like screaming, stomping on this flower. That's awesome. And this one, you know, Lexa keeps it alive at least. Yeah. But, well, I'm pretty sure that's where the mint plant comes from. It's this, right. this myth. Right. So I like how everything wraps up in the app, right? She turns mm-hmm. mint into a plant. She breaks free from her mother. But then I also felt really bad for her because she clearly wants a relationship with her mother. Yeah. And yeah, her mother's been a controlling bitch, but you know, it's still her mother. Like, so it's not a super easy thing to be like, fuck you, mom. Right. Um, that's it. I'm done. It's yeah. yeah. But I mean, she tells her mother off, you know, and she says, this is what I'm going to do. This is my life. You can either accept it or not. And Demeter is like, well, I don't accept it. Um, And I like, it's funny because what does she say to Adonis? Right. He's like, well, that's illegal. And she's like, and blackmailing isn't illegal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the whole situation with Adonis at the end is outstanding. So she gets Lex's boyfriend to hack into his account or hack into his email, I think, or the cloud or something and remove the pictures, the compromising pictures that he's taken of Hades and Persephone. So that's pretty amazing. And then she meets with Mint and Adonis in the garden and they're all like, what are you doing here? And she's like, surprise, bitches. I know that you both <laughs> betrayed me. So why don't you suck it? And she turns mint into a plant, which is epic. And then to Adonis, he's like, you're a god. And she's like, yes, bitch, I am. 
and she turns his arms into like vines, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is fantastic. She tells him about the corpse lily, which is a parasitic flower that smells like decaying flesh. And so she says, uh, if you ever touch another woman without their consent, I will turn you into one. Mm -mm -mm. I love it. And he says, a wager usually implies that I get something in return. And she says, you do your life. Yes, bitch. Like, (laughs) it is so good. Oh, Adonis is terrible. And she just like puts him in his place. And I love it. It is fabulous. Do you want to do our quotes? Sure. Okay. So um, I picked love is a selfish Hmm. love is a selfish reason to bring back the dead so Hades says this to Persephone when he refuses Orpheus's plea to bring his wife back to the living and what I really like about this because it goes back to your point or what we were talking about with death um feeling and not in control and how do we know that our loved ones aren't really better off where they are you know right. and if we bring them back we're doing it for us, not for them. Right. So, and as Persephone has seen, you know, the souls in the underworld are happy. So to come down there and be like, hey, give me my wife back. You know, I love her. Mm-hmm. And Hades is like, well. So I, I like that quote because that, you know, it, and it goes back to our discussion about death. And mm-hmm. um, although we don't know what's happening, it could they could be better um, off. Um, and then the other quote I have is respect could build an empire. Trust could make it unbreakable. Love could make it last forever, which I really like because those are three ingredients to a non-toxic relationship. Right. <laughs> you need to respect your significant other. You need to be able to trust your significant other and you should definitely love your significant other. That's why you're there, you're a significant other. But yeah, um, I thought I, I really liked that. And so, you know, she was talking about empires and stuff. So it wasn't like directly about her relationship, I mm-hmm. think, at the time, but it, it applies. And it's, I thought that was a good quote. Yeah, I agree. Especially, so we've talked, we've covered some books where we definitely cover like we the characters have what we would probably call a toxic relationship and then like last week we just we covered a book radiance where the characters i think would probably fall into this category they respect each other they trust each other and they love each other and that takes time um and it started with respect it started with respect for each other and then they built trust and love came from that so uh, i like i agree i like it Hades has a really good interaction with Persephone that I really enjoyed. So he says, words are used to spin stories and craft lies. And occasionally they are strung together to tell the truth. And Persephone says, if words hold no weight for you, what does? And he says, action, Lady Persephone, action holds weight for me. I really like that. Words are great, but if you're not following up your words with action, they're they're kind of meaningless, right? If you say you're going to do things and you never follow up your word, your actions and your words aren't following up with each other. So words are nice, but action to me is the part that really speaks. And so I really love this interaction with that they have. And I think that this, this really um, sort of speaks to Hades character because he's not really concerned about what people use in terms of words to say about him, except for Persephone. He cares about Persephone's words. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good quote. Um, And, you know, it goes along with the whole actions speak louder than words, right? Yeah. (laughs) Basically, that's, you know, um, yeah, but I I like that a lot, especially because I think Persephone being a journalist and everything Mm -hmm. relies a lot on words. Yes. So, yeah. And she ends up using those words to kind of hurt Hades, which is unfortunate. She remedies yeah. it. Things get better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are your final thoughts on this book? 
I enjoyed this book. Um, Persephone was, you know, slightly annoying with jump, ready to just jump in those rivers and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed this book. Um, you know, I read the second one. I, I bought the second one. So, um, and the third one is coming out in May. As yeah. well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and seeing their relationship develop more. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this book. It was a sweet story for the most part. Yeah. Uh, about Hades and Persephone. What did you think? I enjoyed it as well. Um, I love Hades. I love ev nearly every version of the Hades Persephone <laughs> retelling. That's just my jam for some reason. Next week, we will be talking about a fantastic book called Bridge Kingdom by Danielle Jensen. Um, yeah, so tune in for that. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.